Hello, welcome to the I'm Excited Podcast. Whether you're watching or listening, I am excited that you are doing so. I greatly appreciate that you are doing so. It is my hope that this can be a blessing to you. And not only that, that you'll be able to take whatever blessings you get from it and share it with others as well. So thank you for tuning in. We're going to talk about who is Satan? Who is the devil? An extremely important, extremely important questions to ask. But before we do that, I want to, sh uh, for those of you watching the video, you can see I am wearing my pray, hashtag pray for Jay t-shirt. It's been a minute, but I've talked about it in the, in the past, how he is a uh, older teen suffering with Crohn's disease. And so since September of 2021, over two years now, uh, he spent, he has spent most of that time in Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And I've asked you before to pray for him, for his dad, Josh, his mother, Elizabeth, his sister, Morgan. And, and for any of you who did, thank you so much for doing so because I have good news to share. And that today, at, well, not to, at this point in time, he is out of the hospital. And in fact, he's been given a, a position as an assistant to the University of Alabama basketball team. He loves the University of Alabama, a huge fan of their sports. And so they knew of Jackson's plight. And now that he is healthy enough to be out of the hospital, they have actually given him a position as an assistant to their basketball team. So that is just fantastic blessings have come uh, his, his way in the midst of his suffering. And he is still suffering a lot. So please, uh, by all means, uh, say a prayer for him, Josh, Elizabeth, and Morgan. It would be greatly appreciated. In fact, in this series, and, and I won't be able to cover everything you see uh, on the board, those of you who are watching, we'll be able to get to all of it today in this podcast. But his story, yeah, it's going to come into play to help us learn about who the devil is, who Satan is, and how he works, how he operates. So, the short, you know, before I really dive into any details, I, I, I mean, if you want the bottom line answer to who Satan is, who the devil is, we're talking about one and the same spirit, okay? This is one being uh, that we're talking about. It's not that Satan's one spirit and the devil is a different spirit, a different angel, however you want to call him. Uh, but no, we're one and the same person, if you will. And Satan is at war with God. He is God's greatest enemy, God's greatest nemesis. And we will try and dive into, as we look into the details of who Satan is, we will try and wrap our brains around why that might be the case and what are the implications for us. I say implications, but as we'll see today, it is actually spelled out the implications for us. And there, there's nothing implied. It is actually told us in print what it means that Satan is at war with God for us. So, Let's talk, let's, let's begin in Revelation chapter 12. Revelation, the, the last book of the Bible, is, uh, was written by John the Apostle. 
He was one of Jesus' 12 special messengers. Uh, that's what apostle means, messenger. And of those 12, he, his brother James and Peter actually had a closer relationship with Jesus. Jesus did things with them that he didn't do with the other nine. And so now he's been given a series of visions. I want to say one more thing before we start reading this. If you watch the last two podcasts, the last two, um, listen to the last two podcasts, watch the last two videos, those were on the big picture of life. Uh, for time constraint, and just because it really didn't occur to me, I guess, at, at the moment when I first outlined those lessons, who is Satan? The role that Satan plays in the story of mankind, in the big picture of our lives, it's a huge piece. Okay, it's an absolutely huge part of our story that God has an enemy out there and he is, he's not alone. He has people who follow him and they're at war with us. As you will see in just a few minutes, this is a huge part of our story and really beyond our story because this is the spiritual, this is heavy into the spiritual realm that we're, we're diving into uh, today and talking about Satan and the angels that followed him. All right, so John is having a vision. I guess you could call it uh, a dream while being awake, if you will. He's, he's writing down the things that he's seen. And he's about to see a glorious picture of what seems clearly to be Mary, the mother of Jesus. Jesus, to get a long story short here, was in heaven with God. But as part of the plan of, of redeeming mankind, of providing a way for the forgiveness of our wrongdoings, God sent Jesus uh, to earth, so to speak. He was born of the Virgin Mary. Of the Virgin Mary. And so, let's read about this. Revelation chapter 12, beginning verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Now, Mary was a descendant of Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, a man in whom God found great, fantastic faith. And God told Abraham and his son Isaac and Isaac's son Jacob, that through their seed, through one of their descendants, all nations on earth would be blessed. God was prophesying of his son, Jesus, because through Jesus, anyone of any nation can receive forgiveness of sins, become a citizen of the kingdom of God, an heir of eternal life, the eternal life that God has planned to give for all who put their trust in him. So he was, God was prophesying about Jesus. But yes, Abraham had a son Isaac, Isaac had a son Jacob. All his descendants were known as Israelites later on. Well, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. That's where the name came from. They were also known in older times as Hebrews, later as Jews. And so one thing about the, the people of Israel it's a little oversimplification here, but each child of Jacob, Jacob had 12 sons. 
their own descendants became known as a tribe in Israel. So Israel was divided into 12 tribes. Mary was a part of Israel. And so you see this garland of 12 stars on her head. And so for that reason, some people say that this, uh, this vision that John is given of this woman really isn't about Mary, the mother of Jesus, literally so much as the nation of Israel through which Jesus came, that it could be symbolic of that. I don't know, but I just felt compelled to share that. Either, I, I think it's symbolic of Mary at minimum, and we're going to see now how the enemy of God comes into play. So, verse 2. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another son appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. Uh, now, those are symbolic of things that we're not going to dive into in this podcast. Oh, there's a lot of symbolism here, but we're going to try and stick to the bigger things that we can draw <clears throat> no matter what the exact interpretation of the symbolic things are. Bottom line is, there's a red dragon there. Verse four, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Now see, we don't unfortunately have time to get into that go down that path, that tangent, but this is a reference to Jesus, the one who was to rule our nations with a rod of iron. So we see Mary, the mother of Jesus, giving birth to Jesus. And her child was caught to God and to his throne. The picture we're given there then is God being on his throne, holding his own baby son, holding Jesus as a baby. That's the picture that we're given there. God himself protecting and loving and cherishing his son. Verse five, and she bore, uh, excuse me, verse six, then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. One of the interesting things that happened when Jesus was born is that uh, Herod, a, a, a servant of the Roman Empire who ruled that region at the time heard that the king of the Jews had been born. And so he decided in his heart to you know, kill this new king because he thought this new king was a threat to his personal position in government. And so an angel appeared to Joseph, Mary's husband, in a dream and warned him and told him to go to Egypt and stay there until he was told it was safe to return, which in Joseph, being an obedient, righteous man, did, did that immediately, did exactly what the angel told him to do. And so Mary and Joseph and Jesus fled to Egypt, the wilderness of Egypt, if you will. All right, verse seven, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. So who's Michael? Michael is an archangel, kind of a chief angel. I told you this is gonna be a deep dive into the spiritual world. Yep, that's what we're doing. 
So he led God's angels into battle against Satan and the angels that followed him. Now, how many angels were following Satan? Probably a third of the total number of angels. I say that because in verse four, the tail of the dragon drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to earth. So that's probably symbolic of the number of angels that ended up following Satan, about a third of the total number of angels in heaven. That's David Hicks' opinion, take it for what it's worth. $2.75 as of yesterday. All right. So now they're at war. Verse eight, but they did not prevail. The dragon and his angels did not prevail. Hallelujah. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. All right, the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now, why is he called Satan? Why is he called the devil? Satan is a Hebrew word meaning accuser or adversary. It comes from a verb meaning to obstruct or to oppose according uh, to Wikipedia. So that's a very appropriate name. Because what was he described as doing? Satan is being described as one who was accusing our brethren before God day and night. Day and night. Satan is a prosecutor, if you will. And he's taking us to task. He's taking us to court. And we're trying to defend ourselves against him. And he's accusing us of all sorts of evils. Probably things that we genuinely did do, really did do. And trying to tell God, these are the reasons they should not be gracious to us. These are the reasons he should not have mercy on us. They should not forgive us or save us. So that is the kind of thing that Satan does and had, well, that did before he was cast out throughout the history of mankind, accusing us before God. I, t I told you that Satan plays a big picture, okay, in the story of mankind. It doesn't get any bigger than being described as someone who deceives the whole world. If you are someone who has not put your faith in God, doesn't believe God exists, doesn't believe you're real, or doesn't believe he's the loving God that he claims to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it's all the work of Satan to deceive you. He's worked to deceive me. He works to deceive you. He works to deceive your parents, your children, your siblings, whomever you might have in your life that you care about. He tries to deceive us all. He tries to deceive us all. So he loses the battle and he's cast to the earth. Verse 10, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused him before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb 
by the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus in giving his own life for us and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. That's an important phrase. This is a tangent, admittedly, but we can love our lives to the death. One of the things that Jesus warned about in his teachings was getting caught up in the thorns of life. In other words, getting caught up in the pursuit of the cares of life, the riches of life, uh, just the things of life. Um, we can get so caught up in the goody-goodies uh, that this life presents that whether we have them and are, and are enjoying them or whether we are trying to get enough money to get them, we can get so caught up in the unimportant things the temporary things of this life, that we love it to the death, meaning we lose our soul. God takes a backseat. Jesus is a sideshow. They're not major. They're not the most important thing in our life. They're a kind of sort of important thing, or maybe not important at all, or maybe we don't believe in them at all. But we can't afford to love our lives to the death. We can't get so caught up in pursuing the things of this life that we, we lose out on what's important. God, Jesus, loving the people around us, helping the suffering around us, being merciful, compassionate, kind, forgiving, gracious, sharing the truth about God and about Jesus. So we can't love our lives to the death. Verse 12, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Hey, heaven, it's party time. Angels, let's have a party. Satan's been beat. Satan's no longer here. His followers are no longer here. Heaven is clean. We don't have this rebellion going on. But there's some bad news for us. Because he goes on to say, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath because he knows that he is a short time. Satan is hot man. And he knows his time is running out rapidly. And one of the things in the big picture of life is that there is going to be a judgment day. And on that judgment day, we may get to it in this series, one of the things that we're shown is that Satan is going to be cast into hell he is not the king of hell. He doesn't rule hell. He doesn't sit on the throne and watch everybody, everybody else be tortured to his pleasure. No. It is the ultimate prison designed first and foremost to keep uh, captured in place and in pain Satan himself and then the angels that followed him. That is who hell was ultimately designed and prepared for. So, he knows he's got a short time until that time where he's going to be cast into hell comes. And he's going to make the worst of it, if you will, as opposed to making the best of that time. All right. So verse 13, now when the dragon saw that he'd been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle 
that she might fly into the wilderness to, to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. Again, I'm not going to dive into the symbolism, but just know that she's being protected from the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. He makes war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. That's huge. Okay, that, that is huge. Why is that huge? Paul, in his, uh, uh, an apostle of Jesus, became apostle later on and not one of the 12, one of the original 12. One of the things that he taught as he went from place to place is that we must through many tribulations, many trials, many times of suffering enter the kingdom of God. In another letter, he wrote, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you want to follow Jesus for real? You want to live by God's values for real? Will be persecuted. You're going to be persecuted. If you follow God, you follow Jesus' life. If you're trying to do that for real, you will be persecuted. You'll be the object of meanness, of torture, physical, mental, spiritual. Where's that coming from? Ultimately, it's coming from the devil. It is coming from Satan who is at war with who those who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus. He tried to fight God himself and lost. Well, if you can't beat the top dog, then you can certainly beat, you might be able to at least beat some of his servants. And so if he can't win against God himself, he is going to go after those who love God and believe in God. Or he's going to go after people before they can even, even get to that state of loving God and believing in God. He and his angels are at war with us. And so, yes, that is a huge reason that in this life, there is suffering, there's pain, there's problems. But again, God is going to take all that away. He has got a plan. Trust his plan. He's going to get us through this life. If we put our faith in him and Jesus, forgive us of our wrongdoings, forgive us of our mess-ups. And then in the next life, the new life he's creating, there's not going to be anyone at war with us. It, my apologies. I, I got startled by a sudden noise, and so <laughs> I've lost my, I lost my complete train of thought for a moment there and I'm having to pick up uh, from where I left off. So please uh, forgive me for the uh, interruption, if you will. But yes, the bottom line is Satan, the devil, we're talking about one, the same spirit. 
Devil means, and I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, it's from Greek, from the word diablos, and it means accuser or slanderer. As we do a little deep dive into who Satan is, and we'll see that picture of him being the accuser, being the slanderer. And so he and his angels are at war with God. They lost to God, but they're still fighting. It's kind of like, I think, uh, in the American Civil War, that part of the battles uh, took place to place after the peace treaty was signed, if you will. Uh, that happens. That happens in other wars as well, where people haven't gotten the news that, hey, you've lost, no reason to keep fighting. This is a little bit different. Satan knows he has lost, but out of his extreme hatred for God, he's going to keep fighting till the very end. And I say that to, because I really believe this is very important to understand. Satan hates God with every fiber of his being based on his actions. And hating God, because he hates him so much, he hates us with every fiber of his being. And he is taking down as many as possible, deceiving as many as possible why? Because every soul he can get away from God is a way to hurt God because God cares about us. And so if you can't hurt God himself, then I'm going to hurt what you care about. You know, you see that in plots of movies and TV shows all the time where the, the bad guy goes after the family, the loved ones of the good guy, so to speak, the hero. Well, that's what Satan is doing. He's going after, if he can't beat God, he's going after God's loved ones. And he hates us. His followers hate us. But they make it seem like they love us because they are deceptive. All right. So we'll pick up there next time in our next podcast, next uh, video. We'll do a little more. We'll look at Isaiah chapter 14, Ezekiel chapter 28, which uh, also seem to, to give us a better picture of who Satan is and why did he rebel against God in the first place. The short story is, assuming that these are verses about Satan himself, is that Satan wanted to have the throne of God for himself. He wanted to be God instead of God being God. But we'll get into that next time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring enough to learn about God. May God bless you for it.